I'm creative business coach, Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hey, we are now at episode 46, which means that I have spent a lot of time over past episodes talking about a lot of different things. And if we are completely honest with ourselves, I'm probably going to end up talking about some of the same things more than once. And this today might be one of those times, but I do have faith that you and I will survive it. Um, You know, in, in general, when we process information, we tend to retain it a little better when we hear it more than once anyway. So I'm going to use that as an excuse to not go back and see if and when I've elaborately covered this. Um, And this is being, how do you price your stuff? And I know that we've talked about discounts and we've definitely talked about discounts and I've definitely ranted about discounts, but have we actually talked about pricing? Now, if we have, we're talking about it again and we're going to talk about discounts again too. But can I first just say that it's okay to make money? And it is okay to want to make money because, man, in this industry, we really, really struggle with this. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, we've got things like the patriarchy. We have past and ongoing racial and social injustices. We have personal individual issues of self-worth, childhood trauma, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that are actually going to come together to, you know, ruin our money mindset, essentially, and make us think that we should be keeping ourselves small and not making anything because there's some sort of an association with money equals bad. Um, and, and that's, well, there's a lot of reasons behind that as well, because sometimes the people who do make money are real pieces of work. Let's be perfectly frank here. But let's just go ahead, let's just clearly spell this out for each other because I need to hear it too, but it is not bad to make money and it is not bad to want to make money. Nothing is wrong with you for wanting to earn a living. Nothing is wrong with you if you want to earn more than just a living either. You know, we don't have to kind of scrimp and you know, save just to get the basic expenses met and then anything that's a cushion is horrible, right? So that the the answer to that is no, it's not horrible. Um, but, you know, you should already know this and you should already know that money does not determine your worth as a human being. And that is a little bit ironic considering the fact that we do weirdly describe rich people by their net worth. So... <laughs> Uh, it does tend to kind of put those little thoughts in our minds of, oh, okay, this person makes X amount of money, so they suck for these reasons. Um, But it's not the case, right? Because money is how we get anywhere in the society, unfortunately. So it, it really is needed to get us to where we want to go. And you deserve to get to the places that you want to go, you know, regardless of what that looks like for you. You know, you are allowed to set your own goals in life and your own money goals in life and have ambitions and have dreams. And I support those. I think that's 
absolutely necessary. Um, and nobody really wants to live just by scraping by. It's really stressful. You deserve to live without stress. Me too, while we're at it. Um, but you know, once we actually are able to release some of the guilt of just wanting the money, right? We also have to release some of the guilt about asking for money because that is going to largely impact how and how often we talk about our products and how we also end up pricing our products. So this kind of gets into that larger issue of how do we price our products? Um, so the first thing that I will say is that in order to figure out the amount that you need to price your products at, there are two things that need to be kept in mind. And I'm pretty confident we've talked about this. So we're just going to talk about it again. So the first thing is what are your goals? And I mean, get very, very, very clear on this. What exactly do you need to make to feel like you are quote unquote successful, right? What is, what is that success to you? What does that mean? And is it livable? Is it sustainable? Um, and what's it going to do for your life? So for me, personal anecdote, I'm really into those, I guess. But uh, for me, I would ideally like my business to support myself and my family full-time, really just like my, my portion of the income, right? Like my husband can still be working, but I would like to cover the portion of the money that I am making at this point and have my business cover that. It does not cover that to be very clear. Um, it may not for quite some time and I need to be okay with that. It's very frustrating, but this is just kind of the way that it is. But in so saying that, you know, that's not always going to be the goal for everyone. So maybe you have a full-time job and you enjoy it, which is totally fine. But the money that you make may be what you can use to pad your retirement account, to pay for your family vacation this year, to, um, you know, help you to have an emergency account, all of these kinds of things. Like it's whatever is going to work for you, right? So you need to figure that out. So you need to figure out what that amount is. So that amount net, meaning that after you've made your money and after you've paid your expenses and after taxes have been taken out, what is it that you are walking away with? What is your take-home pay? And does that amount meet your goals? Okay. So if, if you're not making that now, you need to figure out what that take-home pay amount needs to be. The second element to everything is what will the market bear? meaning how high will it allow you to put your prices before you price yourself out of the market. And in the fiber arts industry, it is very it is possible to do that. In some industries it's not really that possible to do that. You just need to find the right person with the right amount of money, especially in coaching, right? You see people who coach. I'm a relatively inexpensive coach, but there are people who will only coach, you know, with a minimum of a $10,000 package, right? Like Mine's not anywhere close to that. But, you know, there will be people who will pay more for that kind of thing. Um, but when we're looking at some of these more physical products, even things like, you know, raw fleeces, 
meat from sheep, et cetera. I mean, there's usually going to be some form of limitation on there that the high, if you go too high, you will price yourself out and you will not make sales. So we kind of have to play with both of those things. Um, in general, what I would say is find the the amount that you need to make and based on how many of those things can you reasonably make to sell to meet that goal? All right. So let me give you a scenario here. So let's pretend that I am a yarn dyer. And right now I am mapping out that I have a skein that usually costs me about $6 to produce. $6 includes all the materials that I need. It includes all of, uh, you know, the website hosting fees, any Etsy listing fees, any processing fees, um, anything like Facebook ads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all of those things have already been calculated, computed, beep, beep, boop, boop. And we have come out with $6 is how much it costs to produce this. And we are wanting to make that hundred dollars again for the month. So we think that if we take a 40% profit from the $10, meaning that we then have $4 in hand after the sale, then that means that we need to produce 25 skeins and sell those 25 skeins in order to make the hundred dollars. Does that make sense? So if we, let's keep that very, very baseline for now. And that seems like a reasonable goal if you want to get to simply just a hundred dollars a month. Now, the reality is, is that most of us are going to need more than that. So the more that you scale, the more decisions you're going to have to make regarding how you price or create your products. So if we need to turn out a larger volume of products, you know, we can, right? But it's, is it sustainable to do so? So let's say that if we needed to make $1,000 a month instead, and we're only getting $4 off of each skein, then we will have to sell 250 skeins. And that is a significant increase. And that may not be sustainable given how you work in the moment or how you are making sales in the moment. And it may not feel like that's doable. So, okay. So option two then is to increase your prices. So let's say that it still only costs you $6 a skein to produce. And now we are going to charge $31 a skein. Okay, so this is, and you will see skeins roughly about this amount. So this is not outside of industry standard. It's a little bit on the higher end, but still kind of within that standard. So then that means that every single skein that we sell gets us $25 as profit. So then that means that we would only need to sell 40 skeins at $31 a piece in order to meet our goal. So you see the difference, like the difference between having a lower price product and at a higher volume or a slightly higher price product at a lower volume. And I say slightly because I don't think the range can really be super 
large when it comes to any of the things that we do within this industry, like I already said. But this is the eternal question, right? It's it's kind of like, do you want to sit and copy everybody else around you and what they are charging just because that you assume that that's how it's done in the knitting world? Um, and that's not really fair because we see that everybody's going to have different goals, but everybody's going to have different success points too. So you look at some of the designers who are only charging $7 for a sweater pattern. And that seems like, oh, okay, so I should also charge only $7 for a sweater pattern. But then that person is selling thousands and thousands of patterns upon release and their goals are probably much higher and maybe possibly easier to meet because they have that name recognition, that brand recognition, and people are just always going to buy from them, right? So, and we know designers like this, right? Like there are a few that everybody knows, everybody's heard of, everybody buys their patterns and they probably do very well. That's not industry standard though. That is not how it works for everybody. So we have to keep that in mind. So rather than getting discouraged about, oh, I don't think that this is going to work for me or, oh, it's never going to happen. It's that, okay, so if you start to get discouraged about, all right, this may not be sustainable, then we need to make changes, right? So does that mean that if you're a knitwear designer and you know that a $7 pattern, if you only sell 20 copies upon release, is that going to meet your goals? No. Okay. Well, maybe we need to raise our prices. And in general, most knitwear designers do need to raise their prices. Typically, you know, it, it is very common to operate off of the most popular designers are charging X amount for XYZ thing. Therefore, I should be doing the same, right? We're copycatting. It's not necessary. It's really not necessary. And it's not, it's not good for the rest of us either because, again, most of us are not going to churn out that level and that volume of patterns to make the same amount of money that they are. Bear that in mind as we go through this. But you do really have to think about what your needs are and what your goals are and what is going to make that work for you. And sometimes you may have gaps. So now I've seen designers do this where they make up the gap with classes or with um, some sort of like consulting services or something like that because service-based businesses overall tend to glean more than a product. Because it's much easier to flex with the value of a non-tangible product versus something that actually is tangible. And people can legitimately look at it and say, it probably cost you XYZ to make this. So therefore, I assume that I should only be paying XYZ for this, right? People are known for that. It's very annoying. That's why they look at something and go, oh, I could probably make that myself. And we love those people. We love them for that. Um, just kidding. But anyway, so... Again, we do need to kind of start looking at things backwards, right? Like less typically than you would think. It's not just, oh, look what everybody else is charging. I think I will charge that and be a little bit more intentional about this is what I need to make. And in order to make that, then I'm going to have to make these many things at this price point. And you may need to move the numbers around a little bit to try to make that work. The only thing that I will say is that if you do start at a higher price point and you make sales and then you lower your prices shortly after, people don't love that. So usually you want to go the other way. You start low and work your way up. 
Um, and it also provides a good marketing opportunity because at the point, if you need to make price increases, then you will be able to send something out to your customers and let them know, hey, if you want this at this price point, this is the time to do it because I will be changing my prices starting on XYZ date, right? It's a, it's a nice promotional tool. You could totally do it. The, the other thing again, you know, is, is kind of what the market will bear, which things are disproportionately undervalued in the fiber arts world, partially because we are a quote unquote hobby industry, which we love to hear that, but it is also considered an activity that is really just made up of people who have expendable income, which is not untrue. I mean, that's, that's the case. These things that we buy are for those of us who have some form of expendable income. Some have more than others, but generally we aren't already going out and buying these things and we aren't buying them necessarily because we need them because sometimes it costs more to knit something than it does to buy it. And by sometimes I mean almost all of the time because of fast fashion, but we're trying to fight that. So keeping out of the tangents here, you just have to do what works for you. You almost have to put blinders on to what everyone else is doing within reason and just do your own thing at the price that's going to make the most sense for you. And now I want to jump into my very favorite conversation, which is discounts, because I do have maybe some extra stuff to say about this. And what I will say when it comes to discounts, now think about what we already talked about, um, especially if you're a designer, hint, hint. If we've talked about how you need to price a pattern at X dollars so that after fees, you get a certain amount, which is usually a pittance, right? Like you're usually getting just a few dollars as a result of everything. So if you are already taking that amount out, then probably one of the worst things that you can do is offer a discount when you release your pattern. It is the most nonsensical thing on planet Earth, even though maybe not entirely nonsensical for the fact that we do believe it's a sales driver. And to be honest, I don't know personally that I am somebody who will go out and buy a pattern when it's released just because I'm going to save a dollar. I'm sure there are those people out there. I'm sure that they exist. But the thing is, is that I don't really want to foster a mentality where somebody only wants to buy from me at the point that I'm offering a discount. So we train our audience to value us based on the prices that we offer. Now, the secondary question is, are all discounts, are all sales, et cetera, et cetera, are they all bad? The answer is no. No, they're not all bad. There are times for sales and discounts, and they can be really beneficial, but they need to be used very strategically and very rarely so that you are not training customers to wait for that discount to show up before they will actually buy from you, right? This is why the business model of like Banana Republic and Gap and Old Navy, it doesn't go over well because people are legitimately only waiting for a discount. Otherwise, they are not intending to buy whatsoever. So we don't want our customers to behave that way with us. We want them to have a connection with us. We want them to want to be excited to buy from us. They want We want them to feel like they got value, of course, but sometimes when you throw discounts at things, it cheapens that value, if that makes any sense. 
Okay. So then in summation, basically what the crux of this is, right, is figuring out what your numbers are, figuring out what you need to make, figuring out how much product you're actually able to create and sell before you completely drain yourself of energy. And then once you have those numbers, lining those up basically with the market and prices within the market, making sure it stays relatively within that scope, you're more than welcome to push a boundary. Trust me, I love a boundary pusher, but just know that the higher that you go and the further outside of the typical, I'm still using the term industry standard here, but if you start to move out of that industry standard zone of pricing, you may find yourself getting less sales. Now, that may not make a difference because you are technically making more on each product as it does sell. Anyway, so again, lining up your goals and your numbers with your costs, with your energy, and with industry standard, and then staying away from discounts. Uh, staying away from discounts unless they're going to be a specific driver of sales for a specific time. And I don't mean upon release. Usually discounts are used at the tail end of a product's life, not at the beginning of a product's life. So make sure that you are not setting your customers up and training them to wait for discounts and to automatically devalue your product. So that is basically what I have to say on pricing. Obviously, there's no specific formula here because it's all going to be based on you. It's going to be based on you and your customers together, as everything is with marketing, as everything is with business. Um, But I hope some of that was helpful and kind of maybe rounded out that, uh, that thought process that we're pulling all these random pieces from past episodes and kind of pushing it all into one very focused episode. But either way, what I will say is that if you are in a position where you are knowing that this is the route that you want to go, that business and this business that you are running is the place that you want to be and you're ready to put yourself out a little bit and actually allow it to flourish along with you, because being a business owner does really do a lot of really amazing things for us and our personal growth, then I'm going to encourage you as always, to come over and join the Fiber Business Collective. So we are a group right now of 72 individuals, and it is me and my new assistant coach, Jennifer Parasini, and we specifically are all working together. Honestly, we are all working together for each other to support each other, to brainstorm to solve problems, to step in when somebody else doesn't quite know maybe what their strengths are, then another person can come in and say, listen, I know what your strengths are and be that pillar of support, which is really amazing. And of course, we have loads and loads of resources on building a business plan, which Jennifer Parasini gave uh, at the beginning of the year. And that is in kind of our replay vault, along with workshops on launching on branding, on newsletters, on photography, on submitting to third-party publications. Next month, we are going to have Josephine Brooks, who was on a few episodes back. She is going to come in the Fiber Business Collective, and she is going to 
We have a workshop on time management and prioritization, which is her shtick. She is very much so like making a plan, make it happen. And we will continue on throughout the year with some workshops on more of the legal aspects of your business and running an anti-capitalist business. And it's going to be really great. There's so many things in store. I'm very excited for it. I want you to be there with us. I want you to dream big with us. So come over to AnastasiaCreates.co slash membership. Sign up anytime. And if I don't hear from you before then, I'll talk to you next week.